Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this, this is episode 212 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. (laughs) Hey, this week... We have with us trainer, mentor, and author, Dennis Galloway. He is the 2021 number one best-selling fantasy and adventure author of the of the pen, Sultan's Wisdom. And we are having a fantastic chat this week. Uh, we are talking about uh, like using your experiences in your writing and your travels because he is he has lived in a variety of cultures that gives him a wide range of experiences to write from. And we're going to be touching on that today. Uh, We're talking about how his stories range uh, from children's to adult fiction, uh, any writing quirks that he has, dreaming of our stories, uh, being a writing mentor. And just overall, you're going to hear what a wonderful guy he is and with uh, great practical advice. Uh, Not to mention... When it comes time for the reading, this is one of those times where we're getting a full, we're getting a special studio recording of his of his story. Uh, it's an incredible sample reading with music, sound effects, and it's done very, very well. And I can't wait to share all that with you. It's coming up here in just a moment. So stay tuned. Just a couple more moments and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get you right over to that interview. So this, uh, these past, uh, this past week or so, I have been uh, well. I've been splitting my time up again between trying to fix the the desktop because I'm still working on my laptop. Uh, so trying to get the desktop working again, trying to iron out the kinks and find out why it still doesn't want to still doesn't want to recover from the breakdown. And then uh, you know trying to make writing time. Ironically, uh, when it comes to writing, I've I've had so much. Uh, my my writing has been a little split, I guess would be the what, what I'm trying to say. I sat down and did some more work on Bandit 2, but then I was also pulled away by another story idea that I had to, you know, I just, I had to start writing some stuff down. Uh, ideas that I had on it and uh, start fleshing out a little bit of it to find out, is this something that I want to follow? Is this something that's not going to be anything? And I was at that p- point where... The story ideas were coming to me fast and furious, and I had to go ahead and start writing it all down so I didn't lose it. So it's been been an exciting uh, week as far as writing goes. You know, I'm not getting a whole lot done, but that's that exciting part of it, you know, to to sit it down and flush it out a little bit and, and find out. And yeah, I, I think I have another story idea that I'll be working on at some point. I don't know, maybe maybe this year, maybe next year, maybe down the road, who knows, but I've got the ideas down for it now, and that's that's always exciting to uh, to do that. And especially when you get those ideas that just kind of hit you out of the blue like this did, and uh, I just it, it, I just started obsessing over it, and I couldn't go anywhere else without uh, working on it first. Uh, my youngest son, my youngest child for that matter, is graduating in uh, as of this recording, he is graduating high school in just a couple of days, so. Been very busy at home preparing the house for a huge uh, group of family that's going to be coming in soon, and uh, here to help celebrate that. And that's that's been something my wife and I are adjusting to as well. Is that idea of our our youngest and last child uh, preparing to enter into you know full time adulthood? And uh, but it's it's been nice, you know. My wife and I. Uh, now that he's been he's been working for a few months, and uh, uh, most of our other kids have already grown and moved out. We have one other that still lives with us, but they both work now. And uh, it's been kind of nice actually having the uh, the empty nest this past six months or so. We've uh, we've really enjoyed it. We've realized like wow, we're gonna really like our having our <laughs> having the home to ourselves. Uh, because we can do what we want, we can make the food that we want, we don't have to worry about cooking for everybody else, and that's uh, that's been great. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, 
we'll see how that goes, but uh, should be a, should be a good time this weekend. Um, speaking of a good time, coming up is Conquest 53 in Kansas City. That is Memorial Day weekend in Kansas City. So uh, May 27th, 28th, and 29th. And uh, looking to uh, looking to go up there for my first time. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, had some other things come up, and I uh, won't be able to attend the entire weekend. But right now, I am. Right now, I do plan to go up on Friday the twenty seventh, and spend uh, spend the day and the afternoon evening up there and experiencing that because it's it's a big uh, it's like you know science fiction and um, science fiction fantasy. Convention, a lot of authors, uh, special guesting up there, and a lot of panels. And uh, right now, last I heard, anyway, um, I could be part of it. So that could be that's gonna be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, follow the link in the show notes. Conquest fifty three, and that fifty three means this is their fifty third year. So it's a long time running show, and uh, one that I can't wait to experience. Anyway, yeah, check the link in the show notes so you can find out more about it. It uh, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, well, hey, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and thank our longtime sponsor, Scrivener, my favorite writing tool, and uh, the obviously the uh, source I go to for uh, fleshing out story ideas. I started writing down character, character information, location information, a uh, couple of chapter headings, and... and uh, just, just an overall of what the story I think would be, and uh, that was fun. And when it came to Bandit, I actually did something I've never done before. I, I wanted to see if it would this would help me out, so I went ahead and labeled like the next six chapters, along with a heading of okay, this is what's going to happen in this chapter, and then this is what's going to happen in the next chapter. Just a, a brief, very very brief synopsis for each chapter going forward, so that way. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe that'll help me speed things up a little bit because I'm way behind, way behind the eight ball on uh, on Bandit Two, and uh, we'll see if that works. But anyway, <laughs> long story short, as I said, I do all that in Scrivener. So check out this advertisement on how you can save twenty percent on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. All right, thank you once again to Scrivener. Uh, I also want to thank affiliate of the show, Writer's Block Coffee. Uh, affiliate means that uh, you follow that link in the show notes or you go directly to writersblockcoffee.com and use the coupon code sample chapter and you will save 10% on your order and the show gets a little kickback uh, that goes towards show expenses helps us out uh, writers block coffee has three delicious flavors there's the signature writers block blend which is probably their most popular uh, up there as well as the deadline dark sure to keep you up all night when you're burning the candle at both ends and the, uh, well, my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend. It's it's a fantastic blend. Uh, the, the beans are placed in a whiskey barrel and allowed to soak in the flavors of that for a, a period of time. And, uh, oh my gosh, it's, it's just so good. I love it. Check out one, check them all, order one time, or set up automatic shipment each month. Uh, either way, you're going to enjoy Writer's Block Coffee. So just click that link in the show notes. Don't forget that coupon code, sample chapter. Finally, I want to thank my friends over at Pop Goes Our Culture Network, home to about 10 other fantastic pop culture-related shows, all of them incredible. Uh, 
one of my favorites on the network just came back after almost a two-year hiatus, which is the Alamo Backlot. And uh, I just I just really enjoy that show. I, I'm a big movie guy already myself, and so here we have the uh, people who work at the Alamo Drafthouse Movie Theater in Springfield, Missouri, and they are talking with host of the Pop Goes the Culture uh, podcast, Joey Mills, and they're talking movie news and what's coming up and what's going on at Alamo Drafthouse Theaters, and uh, not just at their own, but uh, you know you, it's little bit of information of what's going on at uh, perhaps other Alamos across the nation. It's a fantastic show and one I definitely recommend. So click that link in the show notes to get on over to the website and check out all the episodes at the uh, network. Finally, I want to invite everybody to make sure you're following the show on social media. We're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's very easy to find us at Sample Chapter Podcast. Uh, you can follow, find us and follow us on each of those social media networks. Uh, you, if you're not a social media person, you can just email the show at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can also leave us a voicemail by calling 660-851-1146. And I will play that on an upcoming episode if you leave a, mo- a voicemail and uh, make it something fun, you know. Let me, uh, let me hear what you think about one episode or another or if you have uh, recommendations. Uh, finally, I want to invite you to... Make sure to uh, follow us on whatever podcast platform that you're following us on. Leave us a rating and review because apparently it really does help. Um, you know, I've always said in the past, I don't really care if you want if you want to leave us a rating and review. That's fantastic. Go right ahead. Uh, but really, what I want you to do is to find and follow these authors on the show. You know, check out their books and make sure that whenever you find a book that you like, leave them a rating and review. Because that shows that that author how much you appreciate their work. And as an author myself, I know I really appreciate when I you know, find out that somebody really enjoyed mine, you know, one of my books, and left a rating and review uh, of something that they enjoyed. Uh, but I'm also learning that uh, there is a lot of value in uh, ratings and reviews for podcasts. And uh, so if you feel so inclined, by all means, go ahead and uh, do so on your favorite podcast platform. Anyway, uh, so now that I have all of that out of the way, <laughs> I guess it's time to hop on over to our conversation with best-selling fantasy and adventure author Dennis Galloway. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back. Uh, this week... We have an exciting chat with author Dennis Galloway. Uh, Dennis has lived in a variety of cultures, giving him a wide range of experiences. His stories have been incorporated into documentaries, videos, podcast programs, articles, short stories, and novels that cover a wide range of venues from children's stories to adult fiction. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Dennis Galloway. Well, thank you very much. That's a great introduction. (laughs) <laughs> well thank you i appreciate that oh my goodness uh well and and i want to thank you again uh publicly here on the platform too for uh for being so patient with me you know, with all this technological technological uh problems i've been having behind the scenes so i appreciate your patience today yeah that's a lot of problem well uh so let's start here you have been uh you've been kind of uh, you've been very creative for quite a long time uh, give us a little bit of your background. Well, my background, um, I was in a military family, grew up uh, living different places of the world. So I was constantly shifting and meeting new people. And that gave me a lot of experience that I could write about or put into my book, developing characters or interesting situations. And uh, I started writing as a small child, you know, poems and little sentences that little paragraphs or something. I just enjoyed the process. And uh, my career was not in writing originally. My career was in engineering, which is highly technical. (laughs) You know, it doesn't use the correct side of the brain for creativity in a sense. But uh, after that career had its day, I moved on and decided I'm going to actually publish something this time. Actually do something out there that maybe somebody will be interested in. (laughs) Mm. So um, I started writing 
and uh, wrote a children's book first called uh, Green King. It's about a little frog and going from pond to pond and he meets this big bullfrog and he's got to do something about it or he's going to get wiped out and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then um, I wrote a, a Western. Uh, it's called uh, Rebel Justice. It has to do with the end of the Civil War when all the troops go home and picking up the pieces and what they do. And it focuses on a Confederate soldier as he goes home and finds his uh, home destroyed and his wife killed. And it wasn't because of the war, but it was because of all the chaos that went on after the war. And so the story is about him trying to find uh, the killer. And then I came up with this idea about the pen. It, it was, it came to me in a dream, actually. Uh, I woke up and said, I got to write this. <laughs> my <laughs> wife up said, listen to what I'm going to write. And she said she was really surprised. But uh, the whole idea behind the pen was to write about a seemingly inanimate object, a pen, an old mm -hmm. one, that somebody got at an antique store. And uh, the person who got the pen really enjoyed writing with antique instruments, he called, because he liked connecting with people in the past. Well, this pin really did connect him with the past. In fact, it had some ability that when he started writing with it, it took over his hand and started writing its story. And uh, he was surprised and didn't want to use the pen. But when he fell asleep, he actually traveled back in time to where the story actually took place. And he was present in the moment of a man who was writing his memoirs, how he escaped slavery as a child and lived in the streets of Cairo back a thousand years before and all the adventures this man went through to become a sultan. Mm. So our original character, his name's Harold, who bought the pen, actually experiences all of this and goes through it and sees all the battles and, and all the adventures and everything. And then he periodically comes back to his time period and, and gets to apply some of the lessons of life he learned. And he improves his life. So it's a combination of, of two story arcs. It was a lot of fun to write, had a lot of uh, things to write about, a lot of characters, a lot of uh, visual things that you can see and hear and feel and almost smell it, actually, <laughs> so that uh, it keeps people engaged in the story. And uh, throughout the story, there's things that uh, this man learns in life, how you treat other people. How do you think about what you want to do and be? And all of those things were lessons that were passed on to the original character, the original main character, Harold. And he applied those to his life and improved it. So it was, it was interesting to have drama going on in two different time periods that were actually interacting. So yeah. it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. that That's incredible. And it sounds like you were able to bring in some of your... <coughs> pardon me, uh, life experiences from other places, along with uh, you also teach people how to reach for a successful life. So that's kind of, it feels like some of that is coming forth, almost like you're writing what you know, almost. Well, is that's the thing. See, uh, my experience going through becoming an author and then actually doing it is what I want to share with other people, especially people who have thought about writing or who have a story inside. They just they want to share it, but they don't know how to start. Uh, they don't know anything about becoming an author. Now, what I try to do is not teach them how to write. That They can find that out online or go to a college and take uh, creative writing and stuff. No, what I try to do is help them focus on, all right, what it is that you want to write. What do you, what do you want to bring out on the paper? And then I explain also the process uh, that you go through becoming an author. And mm -hmm. it's fun for me because I like to see people really get excited about, yeah, I can do this. Actually, I can write it down and maybe somebody will read it. Actually, somebody does read it, you know, that kind of <laughs> So it's really, really cool. Uh, and I enjoy doing that and I help those people have a fuller, better life in being able to become an author or whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, it, for me, that was, uh, well, <clears throat> the people following along the show know that, like, for me, it was the moment uh, seven years ago when I found out I was going to be a grandfather the first time, 
Oh yeah. That, that's when I got serious about it. And I joined a local writing group and then having that interaction and the, the back and forth with them and learning like, okay, yeah. And showing my work with somebody else, which was already amazing to do that and be like, what do you think? And you know, they're coming yeah. back with like, well, this isn't really a, a beginning. This is like stuff you're writing so that you know it. Yeah. Stuff yeah. that I, I had no idea about, didn't even consider before. So that's awesome that you are <clears throat> taking that step as well. And, and helping new writers find their way as along the way. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, what about uh, writing quirks? Do you have any writing quirks that you've discovered about yourself? Um, I find it's difficult to be consistent in sitting down and writing, uh, which is one of the key things you need to do to even get it done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also tend to either write for a short period of time, or I really get into it and I write for hours mm. and forget to forget to eat or forget to do anything except I'm, I'm my head's so into the story. Yeah. I create the whole world. So it's, uh, I don't know if it's a quirk. It's kind of like, because I write fiction, that's the way it works for me. Mm. Other people who write technical documents, which I've, I've done before in my previous life. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, that's more of a job. That's more of a, okay, here's the outline. Here's what you do next. And so, but in fiction, since you're creating the world, you really have to use your imagination. You have to visualize it and uh, enjoy it almost like you're in a theater watching a movie and then quickly write it down before you forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what I do. And that's kind of the way it works for me. Um, and so uh, those are the techniques I use in, in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can, I can identify with that. I, I understand. Cause I know I've had in the past where you, I try to get up every morning and write, but it doesn't always work yeah. that way. Uh, yeah. But I I've learned that I can sit down just about if I realize I've got a little bit of time, I can open it up, read a little bit of what I wrote previously, and then I'm back in it. And I can, if I've got 10 minutes, I'll write for 10 minutes and, if yep. I've got if I've got hours, then maybe I'll be writing, maybe I'll be online researching or wasting the time. Who knows? But uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to kind of have to adjust, not be too hard on yourself. Uh, the point is, you're you're attempting to do it each time. You're continuing to move forward, and that's very important. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I can identify with as well is that you. You're from a military family. You traveled all over. Uh, my wife and I both were were military as well, and we had our kids. And mm -hmm. uh, prior to being married, I was in Alaska for three years, and then oh yeah, and then once we got married, we were all all over the states and uh, lived in Japan for a while. And I I know that has definitely informed my writing, and I know that's enriched um, my life and my kids' lives. And they they mm -hmm. keep talking about, of course, wanting to go back to Japan. And oh, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I can't wait to go back to Alaska myself. But <laughs> <laughs> now, I lived there as a kid uh, before it became a state. That shows you how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, so what uh, what part of, of uh, that traveling do you think is is best serving you in writing? Because I know I know you like to bring in some of that enrichment from the other cultures and everything. What what parts of that do you think is best serving you as a writer? I think it's the people I met and the environment I was in because when you write and you have to talk about a particular character or something, there, there are traits that those characters need to express in their words or how you describe them. And when you travel a lot or you're in different countries or different states, you meet a lot of different people. Mm. So you naturally pick up uh, some memories of what those people were like whether they were gruff or soft or whether they were uh, uh, loud or talked a lot or wouldn't talk at all. So you have a lot of richness there to, to draw upon. And then, of course, there's the, the landscape, the scenery, the rooms, the buildings, the street. What did it sound like? What did it smell like? Uh, what did the wall feel like? Was it rough or smooth, cold or warm? And so those kinds of memories come back to you. Uh, one of the memories I have is uh, 
when I was over in uh, Spain and going to uh, Barcelona and went down to some Roman, Roman ruins that were underneath this huge cathedral. Mm. And just to see and touch and see what that was like, it was kind of like uh, feeling you walk back in time. And you could you could visualize or, or see how those people may have lived because the streets were really narrow, the walls were small, the mm-hmm. uh, rooms were tiny, and it was kind of like uh, something that could be utilized in a story, for example. Yeah. Uh, so yes, those are the kinds of things I did. It's not only remembering people that I saw and the, uh, the reactions I had to them or them to me but also the streets or the trees or the rooms, uh, all of those kinds of memories uh, come up for me when I start to write about a certain situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to the pen and Sultan's wisdom, were you in the uh, the Middle East at any point or was that other research that you had to do? That was other research. Uh, I was in Edinburgh, Scotland several times. So I got a good flavor for what that, town was like especially the older part of the city mm-hmm. and i incorporated a lot of that into the book the uh, middle east was more from uh, research or or uh, things i'd seen uh, or people i've talked to that have been there and so i got a good feeling for what that was like yeah well i would say so i mean it's got fantastic reviews people are raving about it and how <clears throat> you can't put it down you really feel like you're there and present and that that really i mean that tells me that, that the research you did whatever you put in there for research is coming across and and transporting the readers so that's that's awesome that uh, you were able to successfully do that just just through the research that's great thank you <laughs> well so <clears throat> So what's next for you? Well, I'm writing a second book. Uh, I have the same idea, the pen. Mm-hmm. This time the main character is a woman in her late 20s, early 30s. In the 1940s in uh, Edinburgh, when during the war, it got bombed. <clears throat> so she's having to deal with that. But here again, she goes to this strange antique store and gets presented a pen for her this time but her connection with the past through the templar knights and what happened during that time was dramatic especially at the time that she uh, picks up the pen and the man who had the original pens writing of course his memoirs what happened in his life so he goes through his life in which she again dream travels back in time and experiences along with him mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of that flavor. Uh, some places that uh, the antique store, by the way, was a memory, actually a place I went to in Turkey um, in a bazaar. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, that's right. That, that's, that's the one I remember. So that experience came in. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, she has that experience and goes through adventures. And this one involves finding the Templar treasure, which everybody has heard never was found. Well, she finds it in this storyline and particular process that she goes through to find it. So that's what that one's about. And that's going into the publisher in the next couple of weeks. So I hope to have something out to say into May, early June that people can acquire. And I've started the third book. So there'll be three in the series. Hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Now, I, it, the curiosity has me going Then Are these different pens each time or are they like? Yes. It, yeah. Okay. Uh, they're different pens because the fantasy mystery antique store is the portal through which these pens arrive to the people that need them at the time. Mm-hmm. And so each pen is unique to the person who achieves them. And they come from another time in their, in the past of somebody relating their lifestyle and their lessons of life and things that happened to them pass on through the pen. And the pen has almost a life of its own in that it will write down the story of the original owner of the pen. Well, almost 
against the will of the person who now has the pen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes over and it just starts writing down and they, it surprises them and they, you know, that scares them a little bit. Yeah. But when they fall asleep, that information gets into their mind and takes them back in time, which surprises them too. So it's, this stuff has got to be a movie. I swear <laughs> it is. It is awesome in terms of the visual. So I'm, I'm pushing for that. Oh, I love it. That sounds incredible. And you know, one of the things I really admire about, about your work, uh, your body of work is, I, I don't know, I've almost, uh, I, I've kind of coined the term uh, lately of outlaw writer, where, you know, the, the original um, authors, you had to stick to a certain genre. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen King was horror. And I think over time, he switched into more thrillers, and so on. Everybody you hear a name they're they're associated with a certain genre. I love with the onset of self publishing and going forward, more and more authors are getting to do what they feel like writing today. So, and it's great to see your, uh, your bookshelf that you're building is full of young adult uh, fantasy, children's books, and just kind of whatever is coming to you, even your Western. And yeah. that's awesome. I love that, that you're, uh, that you're building that. <laughs> so is it, do you, uh, do you recommend the same thing with, uh, with people whenever you are kind of coaching them? Well, what I recommend they do is uh, start visualizing what they want to say and uh, have next to their bed a little notebook. So if they get an idea pop in their head early in the morning or just before they go to sleep, they write it down so that their mind works on it. Subconsciously, a lot of things appear to people uh, kind of automatically because it works at times when the conscious is asleep and it'll come to them and then if they wake up and write it down they can carry it on consciously mm -hmm. um, but yes i encourage visualizing daydreaming uh talking uh just writing it down don't worry about what order it's in or whether this comes first or next but let those ideas pop 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 because you can always go back and rearrange them and with a good editor they can fix everything <laughs> so you don't have to, yeah you don't have to be an english major or anything it's it's okay yeah oh, i love it i love it well uh we have a fantastic uh sample chapter reading coming uh, to you today people uh it's going to be an an audio form that uh, we're adding to the end of this with sound effects and everything uh dennis uh, give us a little bit of uh background what are, what are we going to be hearing today uh, what you're going to be hearing is a segment, let's see, I think uh, I might give you a segment of something that happened to the man in the past uh, when he was young and he escaped from slavery and ran through the streets of Cairo. He ran across another street rat who took him to uh, a friend of his because he still had a, an anklet bracelet on him from being a slave. And that had to get off before mm. he was caught again. Yeah. So the audio I'm going to give you will be very uh, intense in terms of how that happened and the characters he meets and so forth. So I hope it's enjoyable. And the um, there's another link I'll give you for the, book trailer and that book trailer talks about another scenario in the book so you'll have a choice of what you want to use but uh, i'll get those over to you today fantastic great all right well where can uh, where can people find and follow you they can find the book at the pen one word dot dennis com, and that'll take them to a page where they can see the book trailer and hear it. Um, if they want to talk to me, uh, there's a couple things we can do. They can send me an email at mastermindsetlife at gmail.com. And then I'll give them a link over to a, a little page that gives them a little talk about becoming an author. And if they want to talk on a scheduled time, they can set up a time that we can talk. 
So if they go to mastermindsetlife.com, I mean, um, <laughs> gmail.com, uh, send me an email. I'll respond to it, give them a link, and then they can go over and see what they want to do. Great. All right. Wonderful. And I will uh, make sure to put some links to that in the show notes, everyone. So to, you can hop on over there, grab the book, uh, contact Dennis if you're interested in, uh, in some feedback and some coaching. And uh, we'll go from there. All right. All right. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a, uh, this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed hearing your, uh, your story. I appreciate the questions and the opportunity to talk to you too. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my cup of writer's block coffee and hand the floor over to our guest, Dennis Galloway with The Pen, Sultan's Wisdom. The Pen, Dream Traveler's Tales, Book One, Sultan's Wisdom, written by Dennis Galloway, read by Dennis and Corky Man Galloway. Chapter 7. Freedom The morning sunshine broke through the almost closed curtains in Harold's bedroom. A sunbeam fell across his eyes, causing him to blink at the brightness. Harold got up out of his bed. His feet touched the cold floor and he automatically jumped up as his eyes popped open, fully awake. He quickly donned some cozy slippers, stood up, and put on a robe, shivering the whole time. Cold, cold burr he said out loud as his breath created some puffs of white vapor. Harold did not like getting up early. He preferred to stay in his cozy, warm bed. However, he had to go to work every morning, so he had no choice. He went down the stairs and shuffled over to the cold, coal stove. He opened up the small door and poked around with a metal poker, looking for embers. He blew on the few glowing chunks he had found until they were bright red, then put some new coal on top. He blew on the coals until they caught fire. He closed the small door, put away the poker, and savored the warmth that now flowed to his hands as he rubbed them over the stove. He put on a kettle of water for tea and retrieved a small pot of water to boil his wheat cereal for breakfast. When breakfast was ready, Harold sat down at a small table. As he ate his breakfast, he began to think about the story of Al-Hamid unfolding in his mind. He felt empathy for the poor slave boy. He, too, had felt enslaved by an uncaring master for so long, not being able to be free to do as he wished, but only as directed. He felt punished if he did not perform well at work, just like the slave boy. He yearned for freedom, too. He wanted to cut the shackles that bound him to his job. Harold went off to work in his sleepy days. After another boring day at work, he hurried home, ate a quick dinner, then rushed upstairs to his study to write more with the pen. He wrote quite a few pages this time, amazed that he never seemed to run out of ink. As it grew late, he began to feel tired. His eyelids closed on their own. He half-hoped sleep would bring another dream of what Jamal had called him, Al-Hamid. Harold was not disappointed. He laid the pen back in its case on the desk, thought about heading to his bed, then just folded his arms on the desktop and laid his head down on them. Soon he was asleep. The words on the paper once again lifted into the air, swirled around his head, and entered his left temple as the wall clock struck midnight. Harold found himself in a dark alley. He saw Alhamid running. He followed, struggling with the pace. The narration continued quietly in his head, and he easily understood. We wandered further down the street, then ducked down a side path that was barely a body's width wide. It wound round, up and down. We leaped over piles of rags and other obstacles strewn across our path. The smells were horrible, like a sewer that had aged in the hot sun. I covered my nose and mouth with one of my hands, keep from getting sick as we traveled further on. Suddenly, the small alley ended, and we poured out into a broad street. It was filled edge to edge between high buildings with people coming and going with their carts, donkeys, and bundles, 
all pushed against one another if someone slowed or got in their way. We plunged into the crowd and weaved our way down the street. Harold entered the crowd right behind Al Hamid, almost touching him, bumping into some people without being seen, even apologized for doing so. Excuse me, excuse me. With each encounter, the person bumped, blamed the nearest person for being so rude. No one seemed to see Harold, but he had a physical presence. He could feel and be felt. Above the throng, you could hear the call to morning prayers from a man in a high tower above the city. Already the day was hot and dusty. Jamal stopped in front of a very old building and looked up at the man in the high tower calling for morning prayers. He then looked to his right and saw another small walkway that led beside the building. He grabbed my hand, dragged me into the dark shadow of the building, down a narrow, winding path. Thankfully, it was noticeably cleaner and cooler here. No bad smells. As we went farther down the path, I could hear the clang of steel on steel and smell smoke from a charcoal fire. The path soon ended and Jamal stopped. We had reached the end of the path at the edge of the building and he turned and looked at me. Wait here while I negotiate your freedom from that shackle. Don't emerge from the shadow of this building until I come for you. Understand? I nodded my head and sat down, exhausted. Jamal let go of my hand, turned, and left me. Harold sat down next to Al-Hamid, exhausted from the effort of keeping up with him and Jamal. Incredibly, he could smell the smoke from the charcoal fire. Jamal emerged from the shadow of the building and slipped neatly into the small cobblestone yard of an ironsmith's shop. The clang of steel and steel was loud now, and the charcoal smoke was strong. Greetings, my friend, the great Cassini, the best ironsmith in all of Cairo. How have you been? Said Jamal over the pounding and bellows as he bowed deeply and greeted the smith with a flourish of his moving hands. The clang of steel on steel stopped. A gruff, deep, booming voice said, Jamal, why, you little street rat, where have you been? I have need of some special supplies. I'm always happy to help my friend Cassini. What is it that you seek, but have been unable to find? Cassini recited a long list of hard-to-find items, and Jamal commented on each one as if he alone knew where it could be found. Jamal haggled fiercely over each item until a bargain was struck. Then, relaxing, he casually said, I know you are the strongest and best ironsmith in all of Cairo but I have heard disturbing news that another also claims to be the best. Jamal studied his fingernails. What? roiled Cassini. What son of a goat would say such things? I am the best there is. He slammed his hammer into the anvil with a resounding clang. Yes, yes, I know, said Jamal. But the rumor is very strong, and I'm beginning to believe... No, you must not, bellowed Cassini. Why do you doubt me? Have I not dealt with you fairly in all things? Why don't you believe me when I say I am the best? Oh, I don't doubt you believe you are the best, said Jamal, without looking at Cassini. But I, on the other hand, haven't seen you do anything really difficult that requires precision and craft in a long time. I've only seen you making shoes for horses, repairing shields, or fixing chains. Cassini swiftly reached out his huge hand and gripped Jamal about the throat, lifting him off the ground. What are you saying to me, you street rat? That I'm a rude simpleton with a big hammer? That I'm without craft, without cleverness in my art? No, no, Jamal squeezed out as he struggled against Cassini's strong grip. Only I haven't seen anything recently that you've done. Oh, hmm, said Cassini with narrowed eyes as he released Jamal's neck. And Jamal fell to the ground. I, I haven't seen you do something really special in a long time, said Jamal, rubbing his neck. It is true you have not seen my work recently, but I assure you I'm still the best, growled Cassini, looking at Jamal a bit meekly. I'm, I'm sure you are, said Jamal, but if you could indulge an old friend with a test of your cleverness, I'm sure you could prove to me you are the best. 
A test? Yes, give me a test. I'll show you how good I am, boomed Cassini, pounding a fist on his huge barrel chest. I will provide for you the most difficult test I can devise, a test of cleverness, strength, and accuracy that only a master could perform. And if you could show me then what a master you are, I will be happy to announce it to all of Cairo. Yes, yes, bring me the test now, yelled Cassini. Jamal left Cassini to go over to where I was sitting in the shadow of the building, near the ironsmith's yard. He grabbed my hand and whispered, Don't be afraid, and do exactly as I or Cassini say, or your foot will be crushed. I started to pull away from Jamal, but he dragged me into the yard and toward Cassini. Harold sat where he was and watched. Here's the test I have devised for you, my clever friend. Jamal told Cassini while holding my hand in a firm grip. Look to his ankle, and you see how tightly the bracelet fits. To test your skill as the best ironsmith in all of Cairo, you must cleave off the shackle with one blow without cleaving off the foot as well. Do you think you're up to the challenge? Are you the master of the trade? Are you the Cassini I know and have bragged about all around Cairo? I am the greatest. I take your challenge and laugh at its simple test said Cassini as Jamal handed me over to him. Cassini's grip on my arm with his huge hand, he lifted me off the ground and sent me down on the anvil. Then he stretched out my leg along the anvil and held it in place with one large hand. Now, little one, listen to me and listen carefully. Sit very still. Do not move, not even a small twitch, or I will smash your foot and you will die. Cassini said, looking me in the eye. I nodded my head while sweat flowed down my face. Jamal licked his lips and stepped aside. Cassini let go of my leg and went over to his tool bench, selecting a large, wedge-shaped chisel. Then he placed the chisel on the edge of the shackle on a specific pin that held it together. Do not move. He said quietly. I nodded my head, closed my eyes, and turned my head back. Cassini took a heavy hammer in his other hand and readied it to swing it hard down on the chisel. With a mighty shout, he swung the hammer high, then swiftly down on the chisel. Clang went the hammer, and the shackle pin was shattered. It fell away from my ankle and rattled to the ground. I was free, and my ankle was unharmed. The big hammer did not touch my skin. I sat up and looked down at my foot, afraid it was not going to be there. With a shout of joy, I hopped off the anvil and jumped up and down. I hugged the big ironsmith with joy. He was astonished and pulled back a little. Ah, my friend, you are indeed the greatest ironsmith in all of Cairo. I will shout it from all the rooftops wherever I go. You have indeed proven your skill and cleverness said Jamal while clapping his hands. Uh, was that the test? asked Cassini. Yes, yes, and you passed it with distinction. You are the best, said Jamal. A big, broad smile formed across Cassini's white face. His three teeth showed how happy he was to have passed the test and proven he was the best. He picked up the shackle and threw it into a heap of scrap metal and then began to sing the song of triumph in a deep, bellowing voice while holding the chisel and the hammer high over his head with outstretched arms. Harold got up and ran over to where the shackle lay. He reached down and touched it, picked it up, and examined it. It was cold and hard. We complimented the ironsmith a dozen times or more. Jamal swore he would fill Cassini's order within the month, and we left him happily swinging his hammer in time to the tune he sang. Now I was truly free. Harold turned his head from the shackle and saw Alhamid leaving with Jamal. Harold quickly followed, still holding the shackle. The Iron Smith did not notice the shackle following Jamal and Alhamid of its own accord. Harold's vision soon began to fade and the narration slipped away. As Harold lay with his head on one arm and his desk, out of his head, dark, swirly writing emerged and floated down to lay back down on the sheets of paper where they had been written by the pen. Harold awoke in a haze to find himself sitting at his desk with his head laying on one of his arms. 
The morning had not yet come, so the light in the room was still dim, lit by only the desk lamp glowing above his head. Harold felt a weight in his free hand and turned his head to look. As he focused, he set up with a shock, letting go. With a rattle, the chain in the shackle dropped to the floor. How the devil? Harold said out loud. He kicked the shackle with his foot to see if it was real. It was. Harold looked down at his hand that had held the shackle, and then down at the shackle that lay on the heap on the floor. Its dull iron reflected a little in the desk lamp's light, but stayed mostly in the shadows on the floor. Harold reached down, picked it up, and examined it. Yes, this is it, the very shackle that held Hal Hamid captive, Harold said to himself. As he turned it over and over, he could even see the freshly scraped metal where the holding pin was cleaved from the shackle. I don't understand, unless somehow I actually traveled back in time? Was actually there? Extraordinary, Harold said to no one. That's it, old boy. You are a dream traveler. Wow, it couldn't be any clearer than that. It all started with that pen. Harold was wide awake now. He stared at the pen and laid there, begging to be picked up. Yes, my friend, we will travel some more soon, Harold said to the pen. What a wonder. I have to tell someone what I discovered. But I can't. They'll think I'm insane. The writing had become significantly more important to Harold. From that day forward, he was eager to write in dream travel to Al-Hamid's time, where he would have some of his most astonishing life experiences. Harold, of course, told no one. If he did, they would surely call him mad and ship him off to the Hammersteed home for the insane, never to see the light of day again who they were, and why he might be institutionalized without being a danger to himself or others, he didn't dwell on. It was enough to know others would think he was a nutter. So Harold tried to go on with his ordinary life, while each evening writing with a pen and traveling to the past in his dreams. This has been The Pen. Dream Traveler Sales Book 1, Sultan's Wisdom. Written by Dennis Galloway. Read by Dennis and Corky Man Galloway. Audio engineering by Sean Denovan. Copyright 2020, Dennis Galloway. Production copyright 2021 by Dennis Galloway. Produced by Blue Yonder Studios. Well, all right, everyone. How about that reading, huh? That was fantastic. And that was Dennis Galloway with a sample chapter from his new book, The Pin, Sultan's Wisdom. The book is available right now, so make sure you click the link in the show notes for his website and uh, where to pick up the book. Uh, don't forget to uh, go check out Master Mindset Life as well. You can email him, and uh, yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be able to help you out. Don't forget to also click the link in our show notes for our podcast friends, our affiliate and sponsors. Uh, check out the Conquest 53 coming up real soon, and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I'm back with a new author a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everyone. See you again real, real soon.